2: Hello, and welcome to Galactica Actually. I am Jamie Smith, and joining me is my co-host, Diallo Jackson.
0: Hello, how are you doing today?
2: I am tired.
0: Yeah, you were uh, one of Taylor's soldiers, apparently.
2: I was a full-on Swifty last night, and <laughs> it was worth it, but I am very tired today. I'm glad I have a voice. I thought I wouldn't, but I didn't end up like singing as much because i was taking a lot of video oh, okay and i don't want to sing while i'm taking video because <laughs> it'll be on the hear video me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh that saved me plus like she did a lot of stuff for the like her early stuff i don't really know the words that stuff like mm-hmm. anything pre-read is not my thing but i anyway, knew it was great if if you can spend the thousands of dollars that it would cost to get a ticket now to see the eras tour you should do it
0: are you talking to me or to the uh, Everyone. audience? Everyone. <laughs> Cuz if you're Swifty or not. Yeah, I would take a <laughs> I would take a soft pass, but it's not I wouldn't turn it down though. Like I would go, but it's not quite my quite my thing. But um and that's not to say that it's like I am a big Celine Dion fan. So it's not like I'm like I feel like I'm above <laughs> like, sure. you know, I, She's just not my thing, but she does make some great music. I will say that. I fell down a rabbit hole a year ago because I was actually curious. I was like, why do people love her so much? And then I listened and I was like, wow, these are all bangers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah.
2: She's a really, really good songwriter. I have a theory, and this is, and this is be the end of the Taylor conversation, but I have a theory that there is, there is a gateway song somewhere in her discography for everyone. Mm -hmm. Because she, does so many different types of things. That yeah. Somewhere in there, there's a song that's going to click for you, and you're going to be like, oh. And then once you're in, you're in. And I mean,
0: they're... I'm never going to be in, but...
2: You, d- you don't know.
0: But there are plenty of songs that I, I mean, I'm constantly, you know, saying, it's me, hi, <laughs> I'm the problem.
2: is a great song.
0: Yeah, it's a great song, yeah. So...
2: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I got my boyfriend into her during the pandemic because Folklore came out, and he loves Bonnie Bear. and I was like, you have to hear this song. And then he, like, that's all he listened to for, like, two months was that album. He loved it, and now he's a fan, too. And if – I didn't know that he was going to be here when I bought my tickets, so I only bought two tickets. And he was like, if I had known, I would have had you buy three because I would love to go see her, so – I think I think she's got something for everyone
1: mm-hmm. and
2: uh beyond that like just a really excellent show and the best like production value I've seen for any concert that I've ever been to. I Radiohead was the closest. I didn't think anybody could top what they did when I saw them and she blew it out of the water. So
0: as much as I say that I am not into like I on my TikTok for some reason I get like all these people that are obsessed with with Taylor Swift, and they give their breakdowns on their theories about this or that, or what this song means. They get all oh, antici crazy. and the anticipation, and they they have listening parties, and yeah. they, like the you know the Jill uh, Allwood or whatever. Like I just I know all about that, and I have no I don't even know who he is, but I just see these TikToks coming up, and these people are obsessed about it, and I just listen, and um, uh, yeah. the algorithm knows something about me. I don't know
2: or. They have taken over TikTok and it's unavoidable. I'm not sure which.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it could be, could be both, (laughs) both things.
2: (laughs) But anyway, we're not here to talk about Taylor Swift. That can be a whole other podcast. Yeah, we're Um, here
0: to talk about Love Is Blind. Oh right. I almost didn't watch this week's episode of Battlestar. (laughs) Started to fall down this Love Is Blind rabbit hole. Anyways, let's get let's get back on track though.
2: Let's talk about part two of Cobalt's yeah. Last Gleaming. This is the season finale. Last week we had this ending where Starbuck went to back to Caprica and stole the Cylon Raider and the, um, what you call it, the Raptors crashing onto Kobal And now here we are opening up pretty much where we left off with that Raptor hat. That has crashed. Crashdown is yelling at everyone to get off the ship.
1: <laughs>
2: and a fire breaks out, and it's like this wall of fire. So Baltar is on one side of it, like on the inside wall, and Crashdown's in the doorway, and Baltar just freezes. Like he can't, he's just stuck there. And I get that. I feel like I freeze in panic at first, and then I'll like burst into action because of my will to live or whatever
1: mm-hmm.
2: but he he doesn't move until six appears and tells him to take her hand which he does but it's actually Crashdowns, and he's pulled out and they die for safety just as the gas tank explodes so that was close and uh C-Lix informs all of them that the both gas tanks are gone so I think this is the first time we see Celix.
0: Yeah, I just actually put that in my notes because I don't remember her being on the Raptor, actually, <laughs> in the episode before. She
2: was. Oh, she was? was? But I okay. don't think she had any lines.
0: Okay, yeah.
2: But yeah, she definitely was there. Um, yeah, I didn't
0: realize we see we actually saw her that soon in the show. She, in my brain, she doesn't show up so much later, but it's cool. Yeah.
2: Uh, then Chief sends Callie to get the supplies from the burning raptor before they burn away. And Baltar collapses to the ground in a daze. And I've seen a lot of people, like, a lot of commentary about this episode. Like, he falls in a Jesus pose and mm-hmm. Adama falls in a Jesus pose later. And I didn't really see it that way. I mean, sure, if your arms are splayed out, I guess. but
0: I didn't, yeah, it's weird. I didn't see Adama that way, but I definitely, I, I, I didn't. I mean, I literally put it in my notes for Baltar, but I didn't put Jesus pose, but it, I did put like a religious kind of, I put divine chosen. That's what I wrote. Um, mm. cause he, it did have, and it's not so much like Jesus. It's more like Renaissance representations of, you know, relig- religiosity, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of where I saw it.
2: Well, that's where we leave him. And we go to Caprica, where Hilo and Sharon are at the Delphi Museum of Colonial History. And I wrote that Hilo is like a very dumb jock here. He's like, it's just a museum. And she's like, this is where the Arrow of Apollo is. He doesn't know what that is. And she snarks that he never did like history she tells him it's the key to finding Earth. And he's like, Earth doesn't exist. I just want to get back to the Galactica <laughs> be done with you. Get off this stupid planet. And he says that he'll kill her. I believe he says he'll shoot her in the head if she doesn't help him. Mm-hmm. And then she, like, hits her limit. And she's like, you just need to shut up. <laughs> he, and is like, you're only alive because I kept you alive. And then they have to wait until dark before they can start moving around.
0: Yeah, I wrote, it's episode 13, and Hilo's still 13 episodes behind.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like he had a restart. Yeah. (laughs) Because now he's like, I'm fighting for my life, and you're a Cylon. Um, I mean, I understand where he's coming from. It's all a shock, but. Yeah.
0: There's no way that he would ever know. It's just still, it's still kind of funny.
2: So we go back to the Galactica. And Adama and Ty are discussing Starbucks' theft of the Cylon Raider. Adama thinks that she was coerced. (laughs) Ty is like, you can't convince Starbucks to do something she doesn't want to do. Trust me, I tried. And I would like some more context, sir. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) That was a great line.
2: When has he ever tried to coerce her to do anything? He's given her orders that she's probably refused.
0: My brain did go back to the... um that scene where I, I do say that he played it straight when he was, went to her in sick bay and her, her knee was still hurt. Um, okay. yeah, my brain went back to there and I was like, Oh, maybe he was trying to like kind of manipulate her or something. But, um, you know, there's probably, uh, <laughs> some unknown incidences over the years that caused them to have buck heads all the time. Like they do now.
2: Yeah. So Rosalind calls, and I wrote... Hold on, I need to look at the um at the transcript because I wrote that Adama skirts the question. What was the question? I don't know what I was talking about, actually.
1: Mm.
2: Diwala tells him that the president's on the line and Adama says, to tie, bear witness, put on your headset. And then he answers and he says... Moments ago, Lieutenant Thrace took the Silent Raider on an unscheduled and unauthorized jump. And she's just like, yes. And he wants to know if she had knowledge of this incident. And she's just like, yeah, let's just save some time. I <laughs> did ask her to go to Caprica. And he's like, we talked about this. And she's like, we did. And he says it was a military decision. And she's like, my responsibility as president is to protect the fleet its future and in the end that outweighs any other consideration so he says that she's put the people in cobalt in direct danger and they go back and forth and he's just like okay i'm gonna have to ask you for your resignation and she's like no and so he says he's terminating her presidency as of this moment And she says that she will continue being president until she is unable to do so. If he wants to stage a coup, he's going to have to come over there and arrest her. And then she lets him know that the press is here. By the way, you're on speakerphone.
0: (laughs) He panics.
2: And he's just like, uh, and like hangs up. So he tells Gaeta to jam any of their transmissions and then tells ty to prepare a strike team as long as she's president she's dangerous and if she can turn starbuck against us she's capable of anything but he also thinks that she's bluffing and ty's like well let's hope so because there's still this spaceship out here to deal with and he's adama says leave that to him
0: it was um, it, it was interesting because I mean he did ask for her res- resignation first, so and in, like in a lot of in some ways he was being reasonable, um, mm-hmm. but uh, then the leap to terminate the presidency probably was a little bit too extreme. But then also, kind of I understand where he's coming from at the same time. So um, I don't know,
1: it'll all I work out. I think
2: it's just like, we're trying to go by established rules here. And I suppose, I don't know if there's ever a time where the military can turn to a government leader and say, I demand your resignation.
0: Well, I mean, they use the word coup, so, I mean, it has has, has happened quite a few times in, you know, some other countries. But I think that one of the important parts, though, is that, like, you know, Adama and Ty, that, you know, Adama says she's bluffing. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the very next scene, Rosalind. She thinks he's bluffing. Yeah, she thinks he's bluffing. So that gives, like, a little bit of insight into both of their thinking. Like, it does escalate to a finite point, but neither of them actually, like, kind of thinks it's actually on that level at this point.
2: Yeah. Uh, She wants everybody to be prepared just in case Adama is not bluffing. And Adama is not bluffing because he's organizing the strike team and Apollo is part of it because he knows the security detail on Colonial One and then Adama goes to um, Gaeta he needs one of those transponders for his plan and he goes to Boomer in Sick Bay and says he needs her help because he's short on pilots at the moment and basically his plan is for her to fly her raptor to the bay star with the transponder which will make it seem like she's either a Cylon Raider or Cylon agents who stole a Raptor, which is pretty smart, and then to shoot this nuclear bomb into their landing bay and then jump away. And she says that she can do it, and he says that she has to.
0: I mean, it's it's a a good plan. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, It's I mean, it's very like very risky. Um, There's a. A little bit of a credibility stretch with it, but just because it was created so quickly and and they just kind of go with it, but uh, it's like TV. So let, let's do this. You know what I mean? It's totally yeah. understandable. I had, I did have a little bit of a question about the there not being enough pilots, but again, we're here for the drama. I I understand. <laughs> I understand putting a him putting boomer in that situation so it's all good um yeah yeah this that scene when he's talking to her is like knowing what's coming later like watching it this time was like kind of like heartbreaking (laughs) almost Mm like he was it's in a it kind of in a certain some ways it's a mirror of um, or a reflection or I don't know the right word, but kind of how the relationship he has with Starbuck is it's in it's a degree of that with Boomer, um, um, that fatherly kind of protector um, dad kind of vibe that he has with her and he's very like it's just, i don't know i wrote he's like it's very tender scene mm-hmm. um and just like kind of knowing where it's gonna head just I, oh i was so sad <laughs> kind of watching I it
2: i believe it's the last time that they talked to
0: mm, yeah it was like well because until I, yeah
2: until like it's athena yeah but With Boomer, I think this is the last conversation they have, or I mean, other than like, thank you.
0: Yeah, right, right.
2: But I believe that Callie kills her before he's back Mm -hmm. from Kobol. So we go from there to above Caprica where Starbuck has jumped. And at first, she doesn't think she's in the right place, but then she turns the Raider around and sees Caprica and congratulates herself for being so great. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, okay, let's see if this transponder works. And it, we know it does, so... Um, back down on the ground, Hilo and Sharon, I keep wanting to call her Boomer, Hilo and Sharon are just killing time waiting for it to get dark and she's like tapping her foot and he's just like stop that and she says she's nervous and he's just like oh yeah like anything scares you and she's like things do scare me i have feelings he says she has software and she's like i don't know if you can hear me but what we have was important mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like why and she says, because it's a next step, it brings us closer to God. And he's like, don't mock the gods. We have proprietary rights to the gods. We humans, you're a machine. And she's like, beyond that, I just want you to know that I genuinely feel something for you. And he's just like, I don't care. And so, so he loved what he thought was her. And then she's like, okay, well, you, you need to know something else. I am pregnant.
0: I wrote, Hilo mansplains her feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I, I There's one thing about it. It's like, I think that Sharon, like, you know, I, kind of, I was thinking a little bit and I was like, you know, this, like the whole love thing is actually new to her. Yeah. Um, so it.
2: Like she doesn't even know how to talk about it.
0: Right. Yeah. So it's very, like I wrote, like, it's very haphazard. Like, it's almost like she's in grammar school and it's her first like love or crush or something. Yeah. Um,
2: she's like, I have feelings for you. It's like yeah. you need to, you need to say more.
0: Yeah. So it feels like on a, on a certain level, it feels kind of like awkward or something, but it's like, yeah, because this is like, this is complete. The, the whole, it's the whole point of this endeavor with them is yeah. <laughs> to discover love. So yeah, that which means they don't, even really comprehend or understand it, and so and she's the one that's dealing with all this stuff. So, yeah, it. Um, but it and it's kind of, it's a weird thing because he's the human one and he's telling her like your software or whatever, but he's like he's not getting it either. <laughs> either. Yeah, that's kind of like the funny part, you know.
2: And I think the only other Cylon that we see this early on that felt love is the six model that was with Baltar at the very beginning.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And even with her, we don't know necessarily that she loves him. Yeah. Him well, I think, point.
0: yeah, for her, like it's, it, you, I think you talked about it where they all have, they all seem to have like sort of like roles mm-hmm. and she was more like the sex spot. Yeah. At least and initially. And it, yeah. And I think what you're kind of, Saying or alluding to was when we meet up with Caprica Six later. We find out how how there's a lot more to her than like we saw in the miniseries. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. All right. So Apollo leads the strike team, and Boomer and Racetrack head to Kobol. So here's the introduction of Racetrack just for you.
0: Oh hi, hey Racetrack. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was just about to say, she says she's pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Do we say that? I don't, yeah. I missed that. Sorry. She
2: tells him, tells him she's pregnant, but he doesn't. We don't see what his reaction is yet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry.
2: That's all right. Uh, Roslyn.
0: Let's get back to Margaret Edmondson, a.k.a. Racetrack.
2: We'll have plenty, uh, plenty to say about Racetrack <laughs> as time goes on. Um,. So Rosalind is talking with everybody and she says that she doesn't think that Adama will want things to lead to bloodshed, but that they also don't have to stand with her. She They figure out, like, how many civilians are in the cargo bay. Okay, so there's room so you can go and be with the other civilians. And then Billy lets her know that they've started cutting through the hull. And I have to say, they cut through the hull? What? Where- how did they fix that?
1: <laughs>
2: you Just cut a hole a hole in the side of a ship in space with nowhere to dock?
0: It's not like, that big of a hole.
2: I mean, I think a hole in a spaceship is probably pretty bad. It's got to be big enough for Marines to fit through.
1: Yeah, you know, like whatever.
2: A whole person. It's, not like, it's not like the bullet holes that like cut through ships and they put a little stopper on it. Just
0: saying. Nothing duct duck tape can't handle.
2: Sure. <laughs> I'm sure. We'll talk about I'm uh, trying to put the Galactica back together with duct tape later. <laughs> um, Duala lets Adama know that they're cutting through the hull, and so he asks her to get the president on the line. And then we have Boomer and Racetrack arriving at the base star, and now's the time to see if that transponder works and it does and i wrote huzzah because <laughs> i've been watching a lot of the great lately <laughs> um, and if you haven't watched the great it's pretty good
0: is it pretty great
2: it, it, i don't know if it's great yet mm. but it's pretty good um <clears throat> we go back to cobalt and crash down is starting to crash under the pressure.
1: <laughs>
2: he is trying to keep it together and he can't. He was not built for this. He asks Felix about the radio she's working on and she says it's not responding. And he's like, Do you even know how to use it? And then he asks Chief about an injured guy who isn't doing well. And Crashdown's just like, He's tough. He'll be fine. And...
0: it was so it was the sinus. Welcome back, by the way.
2: Oh, is this a sinus?
0: Yeah. Welcome back, sinus. You oh, got out of the back. brig just in time to crash and have your lungs burned, and you will soon suffocate in your own fluid in your lungs. And Crashdown's response is, he's a tough kid.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he's a, he's. He'll be fine, Chief. He'll be fine. Go get your own wounds looked at. And then Chief is like... Sure, but uh, LT, um you have a plan? And Crashdown's plan is to get to higher ground where they can be seen by rescue parties because that's what <laughs> the textbooks told him to do. <laughs> and she was like, sure, but we could also be seen by the Cylons and suggest that they take cover on the ground where they won't be seen from the air. And I wrote that Crashdown has... Too many thoughts in his head right now. He can't hold them all. So he tells Chief to carry on and then walks away to wonder how he ended up as the most senior officer and the person in charge. He was Mm -hmm. not he technically had training, but Mm -hmm. it's like being book smart and then actually like having to apply that in the real world. Right. And this he's just not trained for this. Doesn't know Mm -hmm. how to handle this situation where people are hurt and dying and they are in danger and... Yeah, like, going to high ground Obi-Wan might be a good idea sometimes but not when the people you're hiding from are in planes of their own. Ships of their own. He's just in over his head. And... So far, he's like, is taking the suggestions from Chief, but there's a bit of like, like resentment or pride. Yeah. That comes up later. Like, I'm the lieutenant, you're a chief. Don't tell me how to run this operation.
0: Yeah. Later. Ron Moore talks a lot about this, I think, because I he said in the first draft actually um, they had planned for it to be Apollo on Cobol when they crashed, and oh. that and that back and forth would have been between Apollo and Chief Tyrell, um, but you know they after talking about it and thinking about it, it's it resonates much better with. Um, Apollo on the ship to be around for all the stuff that's going to be happening. It just obviously resonates more powerfully if he's there. But, um, also if Apollo is the one that's on the ground, then it's sort of like Apollo's, you know, he's Apollo. So, uh, it's like we would expect him to take the lead and to know what he was doing, and even if he made the wrong choice, he wouldn't be questioning himself and and so they eventually they landed on it being crashed down, so that's and that's at least the inception of that dynamic um and they Just they don't made it
2: feel p- like Apollo would have i think Apollo would have tacti- tactically had a better plan.
0: Right, that's why they didn't use him. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's what he's saying.
2: If they'd had, had him behave the way Crashdown is, that would like remove a lot of credibility. Right. And also like, why would we trust this guy to be the cag? Mm-hmm. So
0: Right. Yeah, that's that's what he was saying. It's just like it it they weren't they weren't really able to mine that dynamic the way they wanted and plus it just it for all the stuff that's going to be going down on the Galactica it just it just was better for Apollo to be present during it so they um in later drafts they moved Apollo from that scene and uh, Crashdown became the guy.
2: Yeah, poor Crashdown.
0: Yeah, I was I feel <laughs> sad. I feel sad for the guy.
2: He's just uh, so completely in over his head. He just does not know how to handle the situation at all.
0: Yeah, wish wish he had made it to Earth. Well,
2: um so then we go to Boomer, back to Boomer and Racetrack. They get closer to the base star, but the nuke is jammed. So Boomer's like, Oh well we can dock inside the ship and racetrack is just like the fuck? We can what?
0: <laughs> Racetrack's expressions are gold in <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> She Uh, completely out of her, like, (laughs) what am I doing here the entire
1: time? so good. (laughs) And
2: Boomer's like, they think we're Cylons anyway. We'll be fine. So I guess that, I mean, I understand both sides of this. Like, if I were racetrack, I'd be like, you're crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, why don't we just jump back, fix the bomb, and then come back? or i don't know but going onto the base star is really really risky but i guess booburn just knew yeah well, that's actually,
0: the whole yeah. that's the whole deal right like i was even yeah. questioning if she didn't have anything to do with uh make, causing the bomb to malfunction in the first place you know
2: i feel like they would show us
0: yeah i'm just saying i'm it just made me question i don't I actually think it was literally a malfunction, but, um, you know, uh, there's sort of like, you could see in her (laughs) subroutines, she Mm -hmm. could have been, like, even the idea of landing on the base star, it's like, no, we'll be fine, you know? How do you know that? Well, I can't tell you, you know? um,
2: (laughs) It's just a feeling I have. Yeah. I think we'll be okay. Mm
1: hmm
2: Back on Kobol gives everyone jobs to do while Baltar just lays in the grass all catatonic from, as I wrote in my notes, experiencing real tragedy again, hmm. I guess. And Six appears and asks him how he is and he says he's alive and that she saved him. And she says he can return the favor. And he's like, are you in need of saving? And she reaches out her hand and says that he wanted to know why he was chosen above all over humans to serve God God's purpose then come with me so he does he follows her. The scenes of them like walking through this like bright green foliage
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, is so memorable to it's just like an image snapshot in my head from like when I think about season one mm-hmm. I think about that image a lot. Um, Starbuck flies into Delphi City, unnoticed by the Cylons, which is good, so the transponder does work, Gita. <laughs> she goes to the museum and shoots herself up with some anti-radiation meds and then searches for the arrow of Apollo.
0: Um, little, little, uh, Easter egg. Um, mm-hmm. I noticed when I was watching there's a plaque right behind her when she's shooting up the... Radiation meds, mm-hmm. and it's a list of uh, donors to the Delphi Museum, and I, there um, it's like writers and production staff from Battlestar Galactica on there. I saw oh, David, that's cool. yeah, David Ike was at the top of the list, I think, and then a little lower down, I saw Tony Graffia and a couple other names. So I just, it was something I never noticed before, but I think it's just because now I'm watching on like a almost eighty inch TV, I can see all. <laughs> I can see all these details I never saw before. <laughs>
2: I'll, have to, I'll have to take a little quick look at that. I never noticed yeah. there. Yeah. Back on Colonial One, Alosha is leading everyone in a prayer. And Billy is on the line with D. And he's telling her that Rosalind won't yield, which she repeats to Adama. And then Billy asks her if Adama is really going to do this. And she's like, is Rosalind going to make him do this? And so they are on opposite sides of this whole situation. And then the Marines break into the cabin. Billy tells Dee that they're in and hangs up. And then when she realizes that he's not there anymore, she tells Adama that they're in. All right. Starbuck finds the arrow. And as soon as she has it, she is confronted by a six and they fight. I did not go into detail. They have a very unmatched brawl where Starbuck is getting her ass kicked.
0: I just like Starbucks backflip after she, uh, when she was laying in the uh, the little glass case. Oh right. The, the error was, that she does. That's the only. That's the only thing I noted down. I just like that little backflip.
2: <laughs> um, I did read that Katie Sackoff and Trisha Helfer did their own stuff here everything you see except for the fall later Mm -hmm. is them and that's because they did such a good job doing this that they didn't need they didn't need to use the footage from their stunt doubles Mm, nice and trisha helfer said that she trained for about a month for this scene wow for this fight so it was really they really wanted to get it right, and um, I think it was they said like one of the first times that they really got to work together. Oh yeah. Huh. Like they've been in scenes where they might be in a scene together, but they've never spoken because it's always head six. Right. So this was the first time that they really got to like interact, and I think Trisha Helfer said that this kind of was the start of their friendship when they got to do this scene, and oh. they're like best best friends. Aw, now so that's cool.
0: Yeah, I think from enemies to friends. <laughs> um, yeah, Ron Moore talks about that fight scene too. Just how it was a fine line that they had to toe because they didn't want like, <laughs> you know, I've been joking like Starbucks. Like I'm a I'm a I'm a DJ. I'm a security detail officer. Yeah. um they didn't want her they didn't want to make her like this martial arts expert either you know mm-hmm. um so that she had like this really um sort of like believable fighting style where she definitely looks like she's trained and she's capable a capable fighter, but she's not like she's like doing like back kicks and flips and stuff like that that just would actually seem way out of character and unbelievable so um and she is getting her, her butt whooped. Yeah. Which is actually really cool. <laughs> Just to, you know, kinda show her resilience and also how um unmatched um yeah. the Cylons are with the humans actually when it comes when push comes to shove.
2: Yeah, I think it's I'm glad that they, you know, didn't make Starbuck too strong and too unbeatable. And they also showed how much stronger the Cylons are? Because while they are partially human, are based on humans, they are still machines. They have they have added strength.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So it would be completely unbelievable if Starbuck just kicked Six's ass. Like I'm, I'm glad Starbuck won. The, the way she won was probably the only way she could have.
0: Right. And, it, you know, her intention might not have necessarily been to, like, oh, this is going to defeat my opponent. It was just kind of a, this last desperation yeah. thing. And it just happened to work out in her favor. Her fight was more believable for me than it was, than um than Adama's was with uh, Leobin in the miniseries. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh I never I mean even to the, even to this day I never when I watch it I'm like and eh, like, he should have wh- whipped up on Adama <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know
2: Well um, he was dying of radiation. Yeah that, there is that so.
0: there is that yeah. Um
2: which weakened him.
0: Yeah. I'll I'll let that be the the reason then. <laughs> and, you know again it's like it's not a it's not a big deal but I'm just yeah. saying like but I I like the way that like This fight with starbuck i actually believe that this is like you know she she probably would have fared better and she (laughs) basically didn't (laughs) so it was really well thought out
2: so now we go back to the base star boomer lands and tells racetrack that she's going to manually release the bomb she says to close the hatch don't open it until she gets back and if she's not back in five minutes then she should leave, and racetrack seems perfectly fine with that. And then we see that the base star inside is all like muscly and tendony, and a mix of biological and mechanical, kind of like the inside of the raider. And Boomer seems kind of weirded out by it. It looks bouncy. That's what I always think. It's like it looks like you could just sort of hop around like a trampoline. <laughs> She doesn't get distracted for long, though. She gets the bomb off of the raptor, and then she starts hearing her name being whispered. And she turns around to walk and walks towards the voices that she's hearing. And Racetrack can see out the window and is like, What are you doing? But, like, Boomer doesn't hear her. And then Boomer is joined by multiple naked versions of herself. And apparently, this was Michael Reimer's suggestion. That he thought of this part of the base star as, like, where the Cylons are birthed, which I think they've changed. It was never said in the show, so they actually evolved that idea. But he just felt like all of these Sharons that come out should be naked. And uh, Grace Park said that they'd gone out to dinner, and he suggested it to her, and she was just like, sure, whatever. And then they got a bunch of body doubles to come in for her to play off of. And she was like, only one of them was Asian. And I was like, D- do you think these people look like me? But she didn't know how they were going to, like, you know, transpose her image onto them. So mm-hmm. um, she, Boomer, starts to panic, realizing that what she's been afraid of this whole time is true. She is a Cylon.
0: Definitely a brain-breaking moment for her, which again is just makes her the, even that much more sympathetic and tragic character. Because, yeah. like the the true, like you know, no, my name is Sharon Valeria, is born on Troy. Yeah, like talks about her parents. It's like, ugh. oh, my heart's breaking just thinking about
2: it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you poor little sleeper agent. Yeah. All your your false memories. So we get back to the Starbuck and Six fight. Starbuck lunges at Six and throws both of them into a hole in the floor, which takes them down a level. And Six lands on Rebar, which kills her, unlike the Rebar that punctured through Cordelia Chase in Season (laughs) 3 of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. (laughs) Spoilers for a Buffy episode from 1999.
0: Oh, man. (laughs) <laughs>
2: hilo and sharon had i guess come to the either they were already at the museum or they heard all this ruckus and i don't know but they show up and hilo is like Starbuck.
0: i love that <laughs> so this is the first time hilo sees someone from galactica yeah like like literally since um the miniseries. Um, and it's also like, oh he's finally connected, you know it's back to the back to the ship and these characters, and who they, we've never really seen him and in, interact with on a on a big scale, like maybe like a card game, right at the beginning, and that's about it,
2: yeah, I think that is literally it. He plays yeah. cards with her in the first episode,
0: yeah, and, and at then, this point, oh, go ahead I'm sorry, and
2: then the, this is the. Next time he sees her it's been yes yeah.
0: and at, and at this point like we we find out later how about the depths of their friendship, um, and I actually did write you know just knowing where you know from the episodes that we see down the road, I just wrote I love Hilo and boomer or, i'm saying I'm sorry, I love Hilo and Starbucks so much, you know, I just yeah. love their they have like a different style of friendship than anybody else has on the show
2: yeah and a different type of friendship than she has with anybody else on the show because it's not paternal it's not romantic yeah there's no sexual tension undertones it's like he genuinely is just her her friend
0: it's kind of like why i like the 10th doctor and donna so much
1: Mm -hmm.
0: because they're like they were colleagues yeah more than anything else and I just love I just love that dynamic it just gets rid of all that other messy stuff <laughs> yes <You know? laughs>
2: yeah because not every male female relationship needs to be romantic right
0: exactly it's just like its a, it's sort of like it feels forced a lot of times so when they don't do it and they just let people kind of be who they are it's cool you know yeah.
2: So we go back to the colonial one and the Marines and the president with her press corps are in a standoff, their guns out. Ty tells her that no one needs to get hurt. She tells him to get off her ship. Then he says he's placing her under arrest, but then Lee is like, no, this isn't happening. And is like, fine, then you're relieved. And so, Lee puts a gun to Ty's head, tells everyone in the room to lower their weapons. And Ty is just like, the hell are you doing?
0: Dude, the then, looks on their faces are just gold. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it is our first mutiny. According to Ty, this is a mutiny. Lee tells Ty to let his father know that he's listening to his instincts like his dad said he should. <laughs> and Rosalind watches all of this, and tells everyone to lower their weapons. That this is not what she wants. She'll go peacefully to the Galactica. She does not want bloodshed. And then she and Lee are placed under arrest. And I think Lee was put in handcuffs, but yeah. she was not.
0: Yeah, they were. He, he's. He, they start to leave, and without her, it kind of felt like. And then she was, and then she's kind of like, "Okay, let's go." And then she walks,
1: yeah. like
0: follows them. I think it. Was, I don't know. Maybe just like the the shock of what happened with Lee. <laughs> they may I don't know if they were actually going to stand out or whatever, but that it's kind of like she just was like, "Let's let's uh, let's face the music and get this over with."
2: Yeah, and she maybe thinks she can talk her way out of this or whatever.
0: Yeah, it looks like that. Watching that scene again, like the the way they were all standing um the security detail with their guns drawn um like billy is like you know dropping bricks <laughs> back there um it's it's just so done what well, is so well done and then the just the look on apollo's face right before he pulls the gun like up until that moment they never like played it like he was feeling conflicted or anything but at the same time you totally buy it and Mm -hmm. there's like there's almost this stupefied look on his face right before and then he turns and then the look that ty has is just like kind of like out of the side of his eye and his head's kind of cocked back like what the hell are you doing it's just so like everyone plays this scene so perfectly yeah. Um, and then like Ty's just like disgust afterward is just uh it's just so good. Like you're like you're a military man, kinda like you you know, you're even if you um think this is wrong, you should have uh played this differently, young Buck.
2: Good soldiers follow orders. That's yeah. what the that's what the clones had put in their heads when Order sixty six happened.
0: Oh, is that is that um, mm-hmm. what happened?
2: I mean, you learn that from The Bad Batch, but yeah, Order sixty six happens, and then they all sort of start saying, "Good soldiers follow orders," and so it's like part of that programming.
0: But Apollo, I mean, it's a, like because you know the beginning of uh, in part one, they're having the boxing match, and um, you know, follow your instincts.
2: That's why you don't win.
0: Yeah, and then you know, going back some uh, episodes, I think we talked about it last episode with um, when they uh, were looking. What happened when they were looking for care? Whatever, I think that first episode. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, said choose a side. Didn't know we were choosing. No, it, was, it was before that, but anyways, um, yeah. It's just like that was all all setups for this. But I liked how Apollo, he. He said, you know, we shouldn't do this just because the president made a bad decision. So it wasn't that he was – it wasn't that he was defending the president's choice. He was defending the – like the fact that there should be a government and we shouldn't pack all of our bags up just because of this one thing that happened.
2: Right. We can't dismantle the government just because she made a bad decision. Yeah. You can't just remove a president – because you don't like what she did, like, there can be a trial or whatever. Right, like, there There right. must to be an order to things. Yeah. We go back to the base star, and the naked Sharons tell Boomer that she can't fight, fight Destiny, but don't worry about them. They'll see her again, and they love her, and they always will. It's all very creepy.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna join in on the creepiness.
2: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> she runs away from them. She took off her helmet at some point too.
0: They actually she took runs- it off of her.
2: Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. I don't I don't know why. But I guess so that she could run back to the Raptor and then Race Track is like, Where's your helmet?
0: <laughs> I just think it you know, it's more dramatic that way for the scene. <laughs> she doesn't mm-hmm. look like a Power Ranger. <laughs> yeah you know, she gets a like, full expression
2: <laughs> racetrack wants to know it took her so long and boomers like just fly and don't look back so they fly out in time before the base star is completely blown up
0: i i immediately was like oh what about the debris on on the planet <laughs> it's a big uh, right. base star you know yeah.
2: <laughs> well it's a good question that uh, they did not think about
0: it's a big planet. No one's no one's alive down there. So whatever. So.
2: I mean, some people are alive.
0: Yeah, I mean, six people. Like, like whatever. <laughs> it's a big planet. It could land sure. anywhere. I just thought it was, you know, funny. That's a big base star. I yeah. was just wondering where that <laughs> where that was going to land. <laughs>
2: maybe it'll all just like disintegrate. It's mostly biological material anyway, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, it just maybe. gets burned up in the atmosphere. Yeah.
2: Or it just becomes space junk, and orbits. The planet,
0: like, uh, what's his name from Transformers <laughs> the movie? <laughs>
1: no, I do not know.
0: Overcrow, like, they <laughs> blow his head, his like, blow up this giant robot, and his head just keeps orbiting Earth after that. It's great. Oh, Good stuff. Is
2: that, is that the moon?
0: Uh, it's, um, in um, the cartoon, not in the, oh, not the okay, actual, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: So, Ty tells Adama what happened on Colonial One and that he has the president under arrest. Adama wants – this is from – he's calling him from the raptor that he's on. And Adama wants Ty to bring Lee to him when they land. And then they get greatest contact from Boomer and everybody cheers when they find out that the mission was successful. We go back to Caprica. I think this is the most time we've spent on Caprica in one episode. mm
1: mm-hmm.
2: We go back to Caprica. Hilo is helping Starbuck up, and they hug, and they're like laughing at running into each other so random. And she says that she missed him, and they hug again. And then she sees Sharon up above them, and she pulls out her gun, or maybe it's Hilo's gun, and points it at her. And Hilo restrains her, and she screams that Sharon is a Cylon, and he's. Like you can't shoot her because she's pregnant. <laughs> and Starbucks screams and falls to her knees crying. And like when I first saw this, I thought that this was just such a overly dramatic response. But now I was thinking about it, like Sharon and like Boomer Sharon and Starbuck are friends. Right. So this is her realizing her friend is a Cylon. Yeah. And how devastating that must be because this is somebody that's been serving side by side with you for a while now you know that's heartbreaking for her yeah
0: yeah so there's and there's three things going on in that moment for her it's like it's she just had a drag out brawl mm-hmm. um sitting there bloody and bruised and she looks up and she sees sharon and you imagine like her brain had to like Wait what?
1: <laughs>
0: and I like that her reaction is so quick. So that's very Starbucks. Um, but then when uh, Hilo <laughs> says she's, it can't. She's like she's pregnant, <laughs> and then that's when Starbuck like gives him a look, and that's that's when her brain just completely like fritzes. Yeah, and um, and she collapses and then starts crying, and 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 Ron Moore again in the in the director's commentary he talked about that where kind of what you were saying, what I just said, but then also he just added that like it's it's really important to understand that Starbuck is not like I mean she's not a superhero like she's human just like everybody else. And like you said, it's like that was her friend and her colleague, and up till that moment, she didn't have any idea that that could have been true. So, yeah, um, that had been the case, and so yeah, it just like all the implications of everything. Also, she she uh, you know insubordination. She's on this mission, um, like the uh, uh, Adama. She found out Adama had lied to her about this important thing. Like all that stuff, just kind of I think hit her in that moment, and she just collapsed yeah. and cried. Yeah.
2: Yep, that's a lot for her. To, that's a, a lot of information in thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> Ross, and again, it's Monica's like, it's... mom said.
0: <laughs> wow, we have a Friends reference. We have
2: <laughs>
0: uh, Buffy a Buffy reference. reference. There
2: a seminal, important shows of my youth. Yes.
0: Um hold up, hold up. I'ma let you finish. That okay. was just a, that was just a Taylor uh Kanye. Yeah, record.
2: I don't like to refer to that guy.
0: Yeah, I know he's
2: he's, he's, <laughs> he's a psycho.
0: They played him in a in my spin class <laughs> today, and I remember looking around <laughs> there was a video and everyone was kinda like looking like uh I don't know if you should be playing this.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) We uh, go back to Cobalt and Baltar and Six have made it to the ruins of the opera house and when they walk through the little doorway it turns into the opera house from 3,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago looks like this really beautiful theater and balter says that he knows this place and six like of course you do and he doesn't understand how he's now seeing it like this and she says life has a melody a rhythm of notes that become your existence once played in harmony with god's plan it's time to do your part and realize your destiny
0: whoa i just realized those that's the the end of the show. Like the notes. The what notes. But she plays the notes. To oh. Get... Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, there's that too. <laughs>
0: I don't know. Just like, it just hit me. I'm sorry. I, to... I was whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> so he wants to know what... What is his destiny exactly? And she said, you are the guardian and protector of the new generation of God's children. The first member of our family will be with us soon. It's time to make your choice. He says he doesn't understand what she's talking about. And they walk up to the stage and she says, come and see the face of the shape of things to come. And there's this glowing cradle there. And they look in it, and she says, isn't she beautiful? And all we see is, like, Pulp Fiction, the case open, and it's a glowing light. So all we're seeing is this, like, glowing light.
0: (laughs) I was just going to say, did they take it back to Marcellus Wallace?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Gaius, I guess, now is, like, bought into his destiny in some way.
0: It's funny because... I was watching that scene, obviously understanding what, you know, knowing what that, where it goes. And, um, but I was actually thinking about, I guess I'll be discovering as we continue to watch. And I was just trying to think about, like, how does Baltar factor into that particular dynamic going forward in an integral way?
2: It's important in at the very end, yeah, um, like the second to last. Actually, it's the last episode. It's the last episode. It all comes together.
0: Yeah, no, it no, it definitely. I love that moment so much, and he gives like, a good speech, I think, as well. Correct? As yes. I don't know if I made that up. Yeah,
2: out. he just he has a purpose. It's just that she's his little guardian angel here is not telling him exactly when that purpose comes into play, mm-hmm. just that it, he has a destiny and she's right about that. It's just a very roundabout way to get there.
0: Yeah. I guess what I'm saying though, is um, I guess I was just kind of thinking of it like my, yeah, that last moment for sure. And again, I love, uh, love when all of that comes together. Uh, so good. Um, And he kind of gives the speech to kind of put everybody in this perspective about where to go in the future. But I was just kind of thinking about across the show from that moment up till Mm -hmm. then for the next three and a half seasons or whatever, four seasons. um, Like he doesn't really play a role in when it comes to Hera. And that's kind of what I was saying. And I can only say that knowing where the show ended up going. But, like, at the time when they made it, we still weren't really aware of, like, if he was, like, a good guy or bad guy. Was he – were the Cylons putting him up to something, you know? So those are all questions that yeah. kind of got revealed later. But um, – and I was just – I wasn't saying that to make any kind of statement or anything either. I just, I just started thinking, <laughs> yeah. you know, like just, I was, I'm, I'm really interested in now watching moving forward after seeing that particular scene and then kind of like seeing if that's necessarily the case, um, across the breadth of the, uh, the show from this moment to the end.
2: Right. Okay, so we go back to the Galactica. Rosalyn is in the brig, and Adama orders her into a cell. And then Boomer and Racetrack return to cheers and congratulations. When Adama goes to shake Boomer's hand, she says thank you. And then he says thank you. And then she reaches out her hand, but in her hand is her gun. And she shoots him twice. Then he lands on the table. She's tackled. Apollo, who I believe is still handcuffed, and Ty and Dee all rush to Adama. Apollo's yelling for Doc Cottle, and we see the temple again really briefly, and then back to Adama, who's bleeding and maybe dead? That's what we were supposed to believe.
0: Maybe.
2: Now, these were the days before like a game of thrones where you have a a name actor that everybody's aware of who dies at the end of the first season so i don't think that we as an audience had a giant fear that adama was not going to pull through whereas now i would wonder
1: Mm -hmm.
2: like is he even going to be in the next season Mm
1: -hmm.
2: because even back then uh, here's my requisite lost uh reference oh, for the I'm,
0: I'm gonna try not to zone out in this part
2: shut up for, <laughs> for the pilot they originally were trying they were going to cast Michael keaton because in, in the pilot jack Shepard was supposed to die mm-hmm. and Michael keaton had agreed to play him because the character died in the pilot he didn't want to do a series and then they did some edits and rewrites and decided that they wanted jack to not die and so michael keaton dropped out also because the the network was like no no you cannot kill who is clearly the hero of the show Mm -hmm. in the pilot so you know in 2004 this just wasn't something that you did Mm
1: -hmm. if you got
2: an eddie almost you didn't let him go after one season he certainly didn't kill off big prominent names in the pilot, which they easily would do now, for sure, because times have changed. So I started watching the show in season two. I knew he didn't die. So when I got to this <laughs> episode, I was like, "I yeah, I'm not. I don't have the tension." But I would imagine the people who were watching it in real time may be questioned, but probably in the back of their minds were like, "No, I'm sure he's safe."
0: I don't think that there was ever a second I thought he was gonna die, die. Um, it was, it was left so open, um, that it was, to me, it was obvious that he wasn't going to, I didn't know how they were going to like pull, pull all the way through. That part is what actually exceeded my expectations. Um, but yeah, I just, it, it, it was it bit at the same time. It was like the most, even I was watching it the other day, I was like, I, I think I you know, I posed like I shouted at my TV <laughs> and I knew it was coming, you know. Um it's still one of the most shocking moments for me on TV, you know. Um yeah. and listening to again I listened to the podcast and of uh, Ron Moores and he just added a little tidbit, which I'm I'm thinking that's kinda why I had the reaction I did was because they were really careful to make Sharon's performance or um, the performance of uh, Boomer for that episode to be like that, that she wasn't tipping her hand at all for the entire episode. So they they never played it like, you know, she... she but she's all been of, activated. Yeah. All of her struggles were internal. Like they all were just her struggling with her identity. But it wasn't like she was afraid she was going to go on some rampage. That, that never was really, like, an idea. Like, we just, like, other than, like, her sabotaging the ship, blowing up the water tanks, that would probably be the only thing that, she, you know, she did. And they didn't even really necessarily show us, you know? So um, all of those scenes with her in these last two episodes were all sympathetic. They were very, you know... Like, I I was talking about it. Like, my heart was breaking having her, like, knowing she was struggling with her identity. Um, And so when that moment came, (laughs) it just, like, it is one of the most shocking things that I can think of. Um, But then I like how she played it still because she wasn't, like, all of a sudden, like, I'm evil. Like, she just had this blank look on her face as she's on the ground. And I like even how the next season, how they play off of that because she's confused. Like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. I just, that, that's like why I think it all works as well as it does. Um, It just, but at the same time, I never thought that he was going to not come back.
2: (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, A little bit of trivia, before Ron Moore settled on the idea of Baltar experiencing a vision of the next stage of the Cylons evolution, his first draft of the episode saw Baltar encountering a cigar-smoking character who introduces himself as God. The role was earmarked for the actor behind the original Starbuck, Dirk Benedict he says he was playing around with stuff and was looking for some sort of last minute surprise. But when we talked about that idea at length, we all decided not to do it. We felt it would be a step too far.
0: Yeah. That goes all back to my, uh, my whole thing about he obviously watched <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah. the show. Plus my, it ties into the idea of him really acknowledging the idea of Starbuck, the character as this, you know, chosen light being or whatever um, that carried over from the original show, which I think that's what Starbuck in our show becomes without them explicitly saying it. Like we we see we see it happen from our corporeal side. We never see like the scenes that. You know, the stuff that she actually went through, which is what they kind of showed in the, uh, the, in the original series and the deleted scenes or the episode that they never aired or something. So. Okay.
2: Yeah. So was Baltar the worst this week?
0: No, he was not. Absolutely. He barely did anything. Yeah. He barely did anything, but I mean, he, there was even what he did was like, he didn't do anything wrong. (laughs) Just yeah, kind of wandered the wastelands.
2: What about full colors?
0: Um, full colors. I'm gonna give them to Apollo, actually, if not racetrack <laughs> for Race being the first. For being, she is the first, first first human to see the inside of a battle star and make it back. That's a historic moment. Okay. Yeah. No, but (laughs) Apollo, Apollo for (laughs) just uh, for kind of standing up and kind of doing again, like he did the right thing, you know, Um, I I don't necessarily agree with it. But at the same time, it's like it's I think it's kind of what he needed to do.
2: Who would you throw out the airlock?
0: (laughs) Uh, It's got to be Boomer.
2: I didn't have an answer for it, so I was like, like nobody's really terrible this week. Boomer,
0: I mean, I'm not Sorry doing, for... yeah, I'm not doing it with malice, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, it's but it's just, with a heavy heart, I must say, that Boomer, she she shot, I mean, she shot the <laughs> She also blew you know? up a bass star, though. Yeah, yeah, that is true, that is true. Yeah, so, for this
2: week's favorite Cylon, I said, poor Boomer again, because yeah. she doesn't know what's happening. You know, you think that, that, like, Starbuck, you know, all the things that she found out about just, like, made her break down, but Boomer just found out that her entire life is a lie.
1: hmm
2: I just feel sorry for her.
0: Yeah, I feel terrible. And, like, it doesn't stop. Like, yeah. There's more feeling terrible for her. And then when that is over, there's still, like, another few moments of feeling terrible for her Yeah. toward the end. So she's she is one of the better tragic characters that I've come across in my travels. Um, it's uh, quite sad.
2: Yeah. She makes some questionable decisions later, but... She sort of tries to redeem herself a little-ish. I don't know. It's complicated. Mm. Um, where can people find you? You can find
0: me on Instagram at the Armageddon, the um and the uh, First Noel Chronicles, which is my podcast audiobook where I do a reading of my fantasy novel, The First Noel. And, um, a very cool project, um, coming up very soon that yeah, still,
2: dropping hints.
0: I still keep it, I gotta, I gotta build the hype, but I feel like the hype is actually just going to be deserved <laughs> when you, okay. when you find it, when everyone finally gets to see it. So, um, yeah. And then I'm on, um, the podcasting after dark. Uh, tv obscura guys we're doing a recording this week um going over i think we're doing monster cartoons um and i'm doing the teen wolf cartoon from wow. the late, late 80s so <laughs> yeah yeah that's a favorite of mine. That.
2: i can picture it in my head though
0: yeah i can say like, <laughs> my one of my things is i can s- sing a lot of theme songs that i could totally just start singing that theme song for wow. that show yeah so um yeah that's where you can find me
2: okay uh, you can find the show on twitter at at galact act pod you can email us your thoughts and questions at galactica actually podcast at gmail.com you can rate and review us on itunes that will help us go up in the rankings so people can find us if they're searching for Battlestar Galactica. I think now that the show is streaming on Peacock, people might see it a little bit better than the terrible layout of Amazon Prime, which is where it was before. <sighs> um, you can find my past podcasting at the Unspoiled Network. I did Doctor Who, Lost, Band of Brothers, Punisher, and Vampire Diaries. And next week we start season two. So we have done a whole season already.
0: It's pretty wild, actually. Yeah. Tbh.
2: I mean, it helps that this season's only thirteen episodes. We the you know next few are much longer. Yeah. So it'll take us a little bit longer to get through them, but. But still. We are getting into the good stuff now
0: oh my god i've been waiting like this is this is what i've been waiting for this,
2: time. <laughs> this is uh, like if you like oh i really want to do a podcast on buffy the vampire slayer and you're like yeah we got to get through this slog of these first 13 episodes because man it's a totally different show but season two is where it really takes off like that's kind of how i describe buffy to people is like just bear with it trust me okay yeah. it's it's really rough at the beginning and this isn't rough like, Battlestar, right. is, like, season one is still a great season, but season two is where everything, like, takes off. And, whew, if you guys haven't watched season two, go watch season two so you can follow along with us. We spoil everything, so.
0: Yeah, we're going to spoil everything. And, and you you actually want to actually see a lot of the stuff that happens here yeah. Um, without knowing what's going to happen. Um, it is peak... I mean, I I will almost say this is like peak Battlestar Galactica. Um, I really
2: love season three, Mm -hmm. but season two is just something else. Like, it's, I mean, the show I think is very close to being perfect in general, Mm -hmm. but from season two on, it's just nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, there's one misstep episode in the whole thing.
0: <laughs> in the whole in the whole uh, in the show, whole series. in the whole series, yeah. But <laughs>
2: in the whole run from here out, there's one episode <laughs> where I'm like, well, yeah, and then there's that one.
0: Uh, yeah, and, and you know, that's like the thing about season one is I I think that it's only not as good in comparison. Mm-hmm. so when it was when when it was first airing it was perf- it was fine there was like so i mean like you just said i wouldn't ne- i i wouldn't necessarily compare it to like buffy season one because no. buffy season one is not I, actually i remember my friend was like raving about Buffy and then I finally sat down to watch it, and I was like when is this good yeah <laughs> and it wasn't until mid season two for me when it actually got i was like oh now i get it
1: yeah and jealous it's
2: it's also like parks and recreation if if i meet somebody who hasn't watched parks and rec i'm like okay start with season two don't even Mm -hmm. worry about season one you don't even need to watch it it's six episodes Mm -hmm. they're not good it's a completely different show like start with season two because it does season one does not matter this isn't like that
0: yeah, this isn't like that. Like, but the season season one of Battlestar Galactica is valid and it's it's yeah. riveting and it's all of these things. And even it's the, already
2: the, a high high bar. Yeah, and the,
0: and it that's why I said to, like okay. the show
2: raises itself.
0: Yeah, and it's like like I said, I called it like I think season two is peak um, Battlestar, but that, again, that's in comparison to like. So I would put this these episodes or whatever like at the peak but it's like comparing Everest with K2 you know right like they're still the two highest mountains in the world and the, the, <laughs> yeah. you know it's like there it's all amazing but this is I think this is when it like it turned this corner to be like oh my god
2: mm-hmm.
0: and whereas before it was like this is pretty good you yeah. know
2: like, yeah, so. this is a really enjoyable show. And holy shit, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> this show is amazing.
0: Yeah. And it does something yeah. it does something too, um, in these first I don't even know how many episodes it is till this like cycle is over in season two. Um, but um that I remember like one of the things that again my brain started becoming aware of, like with Deep Space Nine, which again Ron Moore was a, a part of, um where it was season five, I think, when they started the uh, the Dominion War, and there's an episode when the Dominion um, took over Deep Space Nine, and all of our you know Starfleet had to to leave the station, and. In normal conventions of watching TV, the you know you're expecting the status quo to reset, like at very because it, it was the season finale, so you're expecting like the status quo, or whatever, to like reset the next episode, right? Like it took them a long time before they were actually back on
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> the Deep Space Nine and 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 won it back. So there was a lot of stuff in between, and I remember just being so riveted. That was when I, like, I always liked Deep Space Nine, but that's when I, like, start to love it. And I saw the same thing happening on Battlestar, where, so we have the finale of season one, and it does not get all cleaned up (laughs) right away. We have, we have a, we have a ways to go before the ship gets righted again to anything comparable to what, what we would call a status quo. And it's quite a ride. So if you have not watched it, um, I would jump on that. <laughs>
2: yeah. I know that there's at least one of our friends is watching and listening along with us. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, I'm sorry because we spoil everything. So <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. And I know someone else. He's a, he's, a, he's a big fan of the original show. And I, he's actually started to watch the miniseries because of this. Um, mm-hmm. Show and I'm kind of like I just hope he he goes faster than we're going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay. Well, I'm excited to start season two next week. I yeah, think. I think
0: I'm going to watch it right now.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, until then, what do you hear?
0: Nothing but the rain. Bye. See ya.